long ago, before the left and right stereo, there was a princess and a dragon. And, well, the princess had no idea the dragon was the dragon. But all the while, they were pen pals. Um, they, well, the princess didn't know the dragon was a dragon because the dragon had really good penmanship. So written on a scroll, a little torn around the edges with India ink, here we go. theme song uh if anyone knows breathe owl breathe please connect the dots for me (laughs) uh that song is called dragon and obviously it was about a princess and a dragon who are pen pals um i need to get permission to to use that as a theme song so just take this as like a little a little taste of what i'm hoping to grab up because that is some fun music to start the day with. Hey, welcome. Welcome. You found me. This is Lauren. Lauren K. Hickman. At your service. This is the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Welcome to the space. Welcome wherever you are. Whatever you're doing. Maybe taking a walk with your own little dragon. Your own dog or cat on a leash. Maybe you're... uh going for a run. Maybe you're sitting in the bath. Maybe you're doing chores. Whatever it is that you're doing, I hope that you can pay attention to where your hands are in space and where your breath is in your chest and in your nostrils and in your mouth. So just starting with the breath here together. Take it in and let it out. Ah. I just uh, re-up my uh, pranayama routine with Haley Nichol and highly recommend. Um, Turns out that my partner and I have been doing the same uh, pranayama and kriya breath work routine since late October last year. So we were overdue for a little shift change. And uh, boy, moving into a new practice, I think that we have um, some new measures to take in neural plasticity and letting our brains kind of rewire themselves as we learn new mudras, mudras, hand movements, uh, and breath techniques, controlling the breath. 
Um, if you're preggy, probably not a great idea to do a uh, controlled breath work. Um, but if you are not with child and you are interested in doing some breath work, you can find Haley Nischel at Breath of Rebellion or on Instagram. Um, big, big fan of this Virgo goddess. Um, so it's the Pisces full moon episode. Um, as you're learning, whatever season that we're in, the full moon is in the opposite sign. So of course, today we'll be talking about the balance between Pisces and Virgo energy. And in the spirit of this Pisces full moon, I am so excited to bring a beautiful guest on today, Alex Scott, whom I met through uh, Tarot de Moore, the events that I've been doing Terrestrial Tuesday. And um, Alex was someone that I was completely magnetized by. I went right up to them and said, I need to know you. I want to know your story. Who are you? What's this all about? And they are just this beautiful, colorful, amazing, queer, black artist, magic, all of the things. And I'm so, so grateful that Alex took some time to speak with me before they took their journey off to the next adventure, which is in Los Angeles. But they were raised here in Milwaukee. Um, You're going to hear the story of becoming, unfolding, moving into the self. Um, Alex goes by the urgy on Instagram. I'm going to play that word because I can never say it. Make it a little louder. Thank you, Siri. Fiergy. Ooh, a little loud. All right, one more time. Fiergy. Fiergy. <laughs> and that is a noun. It's the operation or effect of a supernatural or divine agency in human affairs. The operation or effect of a supernatural or divine agency in human affairs. And I did some research into this term, and it's the practice of rituals, sometimes seen as magical in nature, performed with the intention of invoking the action or evoking the presence of one or more deities, especially with the goal of achieving henosis. (laughs) That's a word I don't know. Achieving henosis and perfecting oneself. Well, let's just go down this rabbit hole. Henosis is the classical Greek word for mystical oneness, union, or unity. And in Platonism, and especially Neoplatonism, we're talking about Plato, the goal of henosis is union with what is a fundamental in reality, the oneness. All right, so I'm learning some new words today, theurgy and henosis. We'll have a quiz at the end of today's show. How's that sound? A little bit of uh, audience feedback with that. (laughs) Alrighty, so Pisces full moon, rituals, theurgy, henosis, to gain union. Well, uh, Pisces really feels like that concept of oneness, of union. Uh, Pisces and Neptune definitely have that vibe about them. This concept of the ocean of consciousness, the ocean of everything. And I think that that visual of the ocean sure makes a lot of sense to me because water droplets appear to be inseparable, but of course they are separate molecules. But when they're all mushed together, it appears as one big body of water. And that is the nature of consciousness, that we are in fact connected 
inextricably. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful way of being. Neptune was opposite of the sun this week, and I know I was having some weird dreams. I know that I feel like I've been walking around in a sack of water all of this week. Um, Lots of visions and ideas and concepts and creative, inspired moments, and not a lot of action, (laughs) which is contrary to Virgo season and all of this Mars-Sun energy that we're kind of punching into in the next week. So maybe just sit with some of uh, the stuff that's been coming up for you. I know that I've been getting the DMs and the emails and the phone calls and the texts about what is going on. And, you know, if, if you look back at some of my Instagram posts from this week, no problem scrolling back there. You know, we're all here to learn stuff. You know, I think that my work is pretty ephemeral, but I'm proud of it. Darn it. Uh, You can go back and check that out about the Neptune-Sun opposition and then, of course, the trines with Pluto. And Pluto was aspecting a lot of this stuff, the Neptune vibes and the Sun vibes, and, and it was a harmonious kind of energy for regenerative forgiveness work, which is what Neptune makes me think of. And Pluto is that possibility to transform the muck that's coming to the surface. We're not quite yet to Scorpio season with all of the compost heaping that we're going to do. We're still in this sort of frenetic, sand-like season of Virgo where there is stuff to be done, folks. We have harvesting to do and whatever harvesting looks like in your own life, We all know winter's coming here in the Northern Hemisphere. If you were listening in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm sorry that I'm so biased to the longitude and latitude in which I live. Um, I'll do better, (laughs) I hope. Um, You just get in touch with me if this stuff is, is resonating backwards or forwards for the Northern and Southern Hemispheres. So Virgo, we've been in it. We all know the frenetic, tense, uncomfortable energy that comes with the season. A lot of uh, digestive upset is what I'm hearing from folks. Um, A lot of tensions and just figuring stuff out. I'm fine. Everything is fine. (laughs) Virgo season feels like head and shoulders, but I'm not talking about the dandruff shampoo, folks. Uh, mentioning tension and headaches and neck rolls and cervical spine and the mental faculties and the heart vision and all the things that it takes to bring ideas into reality. This is the Pisces full moon into the Virgo sun energy of the season. And when those ideas are flowing, when things are moving, of course the shoulders drop, the hands extend, and creation is created, right? (laughs) What is the word for creating creation? When it's holding, when you're feeling tense, when you're tightening, everything gets acute, it's tight. Uh, It will likely end up in the bowels, all of these tensions that we're speaking of here because Virgo's traditional territory is the process. And digestion, my friends, is all about process. Um, I speak with clients about this pretty regularly, about what your digestive tract is telling you about your emotional processing process. Are you constipated? Are you holding on to too many things? You know, are you unwilling to process whatever that thing is that's stuck in your heart, in your mind, your throat, 
in your gut? Um, or are you just letting things slip right by, right? Diarrhea! <laughs> Where's my Pepto-Bismol that I've not taken since I was a little kid? Anyway, I just like that commercial, right? Anyway, so the digestive process, and sometimes you just have a touchy tummy. You know what I'm saying? Like not everything is some spiritual conundrum, but often our bodies, more often than not, our bodies are mirrors and reflections of what is happening underneath the surface, especially if we're not cognizant, not in touch, not conscious of, of those underlying currents that are happening within our psyche, within our emotional bodies and what have you. So this frenetic energy turned inward is Mercury, traditional ruler of Virgo. So in Virgo, Mercury is all about discernment, all of the thinky stuff, all the 10 steps ahead while looking over your shoulders, gripping that to-do list, a Sharpie in hand, and a heart full of ideas. It's hard to ask Mercury to settle. It's not Mercury's style. The way to make peace or to compromise is channeling that bright energy and juicing up projects and pushing through, pushing forward. It's moving your body, getting that routine into balance and out of the inflated edges of agitation. So this can look like yoga in the dark, gym visits, long walks, arm lifts, finger squeezies, face yoga, yawning, deep, slow breaths. You know your body and mind way better than I do, and you know what your edges are way better than I do. Funny fact, moon, the moon, our friend the moon is the esoteric ruler of Virgo, veiling Vulcan. Uh, for those of you familiar with Greek mythology, Vulcan, Hephaestus, is this sort of rock star, under the mountain, blacksmith god. Um, that is betrothed to Aphrodite and boy is he a maker he is down there working and processing and melting gold and building stuff and screws and edges and all of that and that to me feels like the ruler right Vulcan so if the moon is about heart and the manifestation process and Vulcan Hephaestus is hammering boring ass matter into jewels and lovelies and mechanical owls that's a throwback to uh, Clash of the Titans, if y'all haven't seen that movie like 300 times like I have. <laughs> Go check it out. Perseus, the adventures of a hero. Uh, and there's lots of claymation, which, you know, I'm, I'm into that. Um, so Virgo is about manipulating matter into something amazing. So crunch those mathematical numbers, Virgo. Engineer beauty. Virgo is magic when it comes to making shit happen. Yeah. yeah. And the hierarchical ruler, so this is like one step beyond esoteric, the ruler Jupiter. Jupiter, planet of the masters, wisdom, knowledge, Virgo, sign of true service and mentorship, which is like right underneath mastery. So what could be more on point than teaching, holding space, and making room for growth? So yay Virgo season. Yes, Virgo season. I love all of this stuff. Oh boy. So it's it's been a week, and I hope that you have your crayons on hand 
and a big sheet of paper to do some release work this Pisces full moon. So uh, Neptune and moon will be conjoined Monday morning. So the full moon is happening evening, Central Standard Time, of Monday, September 20th, just shy of the autumnal equinox. And I mean, when moon and Neptune meet, we're talking magic, we're talking manifestation, we're talking intuition, empathic response. So this can go high or it can go low, right? And what does like low Neptune things look like? Drama, emotions, projecting your dream reality within out onto the real world. Um, And this could all be stirring some really deep stuff on the inside. And, uh, you know, this could relate to relationships as we're heading very closely into Libra season. Uh, So I encourage you to get honest with yourself, uh, who who you enabling out there in uh, in TV land, who are you (laughs) holding on to or supporting when you are the one who indeed needs to be celebrated, supported, honored, and appreciated for the magical human that you are and that you're being in the world. Uh, I have a squirrel friend out the window who's like definitely saying like, hell yeah, (laughs) you are magic. Oh, squirrels. Well, that is some Virgo stuff too right there. Squirrels carry one nut at a time. One nut at a time. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you feel like the season of Virgo is just laying it on thick, all you can do is take it one thing at a time. And with these heavy Neptunian energies happening, there's probably a lot of ambition or a lot of insight and creative understanding of what needs to be manifested, right? What are you trying to bring forth? Um, And part of that is like having too many ideas juggling around. And guess what? Not everything is yours to do. So artists out there listening out there, uh, you don't have to make everything. That's all I'm going to say about that. You know, do as much as you can, but don't beat yourself up for all those projects that never came into fruition in the past. You know, you you probably weren't ready. Something was amiss at that time. Otherwise, the universe would have kind of coalesced around this vision or found a way to make it work. And everything should be work. You know, I, I mean, I think that some things come easier than others, but it shouldn't be so hard and it shouldn't be so easy, right? There has to be this nice violin string tension in the manifestation process. So I encourage you to just notice when you're pushing and pushing and pushing, whether that's with a project, a relationship, uh, something you want, right? You get aggressive, go for it. Ah! Uh, (laughs) And how can you just like, when it's like so easy, everything's just like falling into your lap. It's like, well, did you ask for it? That's another thing about Neptune. Pisces energy is how, what do you need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? And a, with a Pisces full moon, full moons are about that point of culmination and <sighs> the release, the outbreath, speaking into the universe, what needs to be released. 
What are you trying to release into reality through your fingertips? What is trying to move through your mental abstract mindscape into the creative center, into the feeling body, into the action of the visual, knowing what needs to get done and how to approach it, and then bringing that through and forth through the physical manifestation, right? Um, I don't use that word manifest a lot, you know? I think that it gets overused these days. Um, you know, what you think about, you bring about, what you're vibrating at, you know, all, all of those things I think are really helpful in learning about the practice of right speech and how you're communicating with yourself. Are you being hard on yourself this season? You know, are you having too many heavy expectations of what and who you are supposed to be and what and what you're supposed to be doing? Um, you know, good news is with the sun Mars conjoining, we're going to have a moment of some like pushing forward, getting that boost of energy that we've been looking for with this heavy Neptune, (laughs) just like the heavy, heavy weight that we've been carrying around this week. I know just keeping my eyes open, the sleepy allergy fall season, all of that stuff. Um, right. So a lot of the, the, the personal planets, Mars, Mercury, they're in Libra. They're hanging out. You know, you might be thinking about how to find balance in your life. As we move into this next season, the autumnal equinox is going to be on the 22nd. Um, stay tuned for some offerings. I'm going to do some uh, 30 minutes for $40 readings this next week to celebrate the equinox and my Libra rising and my half birthday. I'm just kidding. That's like my ego talking, but I uh, just really want to connect with folks right now. It's a great season for connection. Libra, it's coming. So Mars and Libra, um, you know, one of, one of, uh, I would call her friend. We're not, we haven't met yet, but June, I see you. Uh, Saturn and Honey Online was talking specifically about Mars and Libra being a balancing act, that it's a process. And I feel the same way about things like surrender and balance within our own lives is that it's not some once in a lifetime opportunity or activity, but it's a daily practice of achieving equilibrium in an ever moving, ever wobbling, inconsistent variables and equations changing all the time, right? Maybe that's why they teach us algebra in high school. It's a metaphor, right? (laughs) Try to balance the equation, try to get to the central point, the equal center with all those uh, tangents. And I don't even remember the words for it anymore. That's funny. Um, So long ago. So Mars and Libra, you know, achieving balance, check in with yourself every day. Virgo season, you know, we're, we're winding up here and I've been encouraging everybody to check in with their daily routines, their health, right? Um, you know, specifically for Virgos and Pisces, I think that health is going to be a, a greater emphasis during this time, but it is a theme for everyone. Just sort of uh, checking in with what's what's feeding you, what's nourishing you as we push forward into completion of tasks before winter comes, you know, while we're harvesting, while we're sort of getting getting our groove on, getting back into routines and rhythms after the fun and play of the summer months. 
Oh, Mercury in Libra is also square to Pluto in Capricorn. So another time of, you know, making magic happen, thinking about what needs to be released, what's coming up to the surface, what needs to be balanced within your own internal equilibrium, what kind of harmony that you're trying to create, letting go of what needs to uh, not be controlled anymore. Oh, Venus and Scorpio, love you, girl. She is uh, she is hanging out, or they are hanging out. I don't think that planets have sexes or gender, um, so doing my best to to neutralize that. But certainly, you look at at the Venus symbol, and it's hard not to consider the the hand mirror, the femininity. Uh, and in Scorpio, this is about you know secret desires coming to surface. And Venus is going to be opposite of Uranus and Taurus during this full moon. So uh, freedom, uh, breaking through, (laughs) whether that is in a relationship, having moments of clarity about where you've been a bit too codependent, uh, you know, maybe checking in a little too much or whatever it is. But this is this is really uh, qualifying a moment of valuing your freedom valuing eccentricity, uniqueness, authenticity, all of that kind of stuff is that Venus-Uranus opposition. And that's part of this full moon energy. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that's like a little like quiet breakdown of the Pisces full moon. Of course, I'll be doing more writing about this this week. If you're not on the moon mailer, you are missing out on deals, on more poetry, more brain droppings from this one. And uh, also when I'm having dates for live and in person. Milwaukee, I'm here. I'm here. And uh, I just got the word yesterday that Orchid Acupuncture, one of my sponsors for the podcast here, uh, is, is still has space for me Fridays and Saturdays. So moving forward, I'll still have a beautiful acupuncture space uh, for Fridays and Saturdays here in the Milwaukee area. So those listeners out in Madison, um, yes, we have a place to meet that is outside of a home, if that is more comfortable for you. But of course, virtual readings are still always available. Uh, discount code virtual for the time being to take 20% off. If you need to check in, do some mentorship, whatever it is that feels right for you right now. Glad to support and honor you. And Des Moines, my hometown. Uh, The October dates filled up very quickly. Uh, I posted about it on the Instagram and it filled up in less than 24 hours. I actually added two additional days to break on through. So I will be extending myself, stretching my ability to hold space uh, there in Sherman Hill at my rental carriage house. Thank you to... Uh, my sister Andrea for hosting me in that beautiful space and making it affordable and accessible for me to get down to Des Moines and see my people. So until, uh, yeah, until next time, I'm going to bring on Alex Scott, the Urgy Art Online. Um, Like I said, Alex and I connected. uh, They are recently um, getting deeply into doing tarot card readings uh, they've you know, historically been an American Sign Language interpreter and have a very, very unique experience growing up as a Jehovah's Witness. 
in the Milwaukee area and what that looked like for them. Um, and finally breaking through consciousness to connect with their own higher power and their divine self and stepping into a non-binary identity, a queer identity, and the artist and beautiful, boisterous, wonderful, magnetic, glamorous human being that Alex Scott is. So I hope that you enjoy the pictures that they uh, are providing for this podcast um, and really do sink your teeth in, your ears, your ear teeth, (laughs) sink your ears into this episode. And uh, I hope that you'll enjoy Alex Scott as much as I enjoyed interviewing them. K-Apothecary is self-care for the modern mystic. It's natural, local, conscious AF. Located in the heartland, K-Apothecary provides self-care for the modern mystic by offering intentionally prepared products for your personal rituals. Designed and curated to infuse your practice with positive energy and to assist you in raising your vibration. Enhance your metaphysical practice with natural products, local wares, and a socially conscious mission to celebrate the magical energy surrounding each of us. Shop The Apothecary at K-A-E-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y.com. Kapothecary.com. Oh, Alex Scott, thank you for joining me today. I see you have a cat with you. I see your beautiful orange... <laughs> your beautiful orange and pink beard right oh, now yes, yes. like you just got your hair done again you have green braids in and every time I've seen you you have been a rainbow of information and visual <laughs> and I, I know that you are I know you're a Pisces sun and I know that you are a self-described artist you are beautiful and black and non-binary and queer and born and raised in Milwaukee and oh you- yeah you are about to enter a huge adventure. So getting an opportunity to sit with you, even for just a couple moments to hear your story and hear where you're going, what your intentions are. Um, thank you for, for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is really nice. <laughs> so I want to ask you, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? A willow. Tell me why you would be a willow tree. I think, I don't know, I've always had like an affinity for willows. Like people, you know, I named my dog Willow. I have a basset hound, I named her Willow. I love Willow so much. And I think I can remember that was the first tree I was always able to identify just by looking at it. And I remember asking my mom, you know, walking through the park with my mother and her going, that's called the weeping willow tree because it looks sad. But I never thought it looked sad though. It looked more relaxed to me. I don't know, like the the willow is just like, to me, kind of effortless, if that makes sense. It's kind of just like there and it just kind of sways with the breeze. And it's really like, I don't know, it just makes me think of like childhood and like summertime and like the park. And I don't know, I just love willow trees. They look really unique. Yeah. Well, your hair kind of looks like a willow right now. (laughs) You know what, I think like around the subconsciously, Whenever I've had like really big things happen or big movements, I've always 
gone towards the color green, like um, starting over again or blooming or something like that. And so like, yeah, I was really drawn to green in this case. So <laughs> fitting, I'm going to somewhere super new, starting some new stuff. So, yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know where to start if we should start from that point that um, you were on your way to Los Angeles, you're pursuing connections and pursuing this, um, you know, your art, your art as well as acting. So maybe, maybe we can start from there and work backwards. What got you to this point? Whew, um, man, there's so much that got me to this point. It's almost hard to kind of put it in, in order. It's just, I've been uh, actively pursuing being an artist uh, in a more serious, you know, mindset in the past three years uh, that also came with me coming out, uh, realizing I'm non-binary and just changing the course of what my life has been before into something that is my own and that I feel is, is representative of me and how I feel on the inside and trying to reflect that on the outside. And also like, I've been, I'm going through the journey of like forgiving myself for the past and also realizing some things from the past and just, I mean, doing what everybody else is trying to do, except I took the long way around and it's just uh, to align what's internal externally and, and feel like a person here with, with, with an idea, with, with knowing themselves. This was just all I've always wanted to do is just know myself. And it's, it's been a, a journey of discovery. It's been a journey of lost and found. It's been a, it's been a lot, but um, like I said, I've been for the past three years pursuing art professionally in Milwaukee and building up a reputation and, and not necessarily a mask for people to see, but like knowing who I always was on the inside and that finally and actually embracing that. And then going out <laughs> as that person and accepting and drawing close the things that I know are for me, finally, without second guessing, without wondering if someone's gonna be upset this is like, it's like getting a new phone or a new car and then taking it out and discovering all the settings, the new settings. <laughs> and it's been, it's been happy. It's been somewhat sad. It's been thrilling. It's been uh, anxious. It's been, it's been all of it. It's been all of it, but like, coming through and really looking at all these, these feelings that I'm actually doing in real life right now. <laughs> I decided to take the day to not think about anything, but besides the question that you had given me and just like, I don't know, kind of be present in giving y'all a more authentic look at like somebody like me who's, who's been on this journey of trying to find out who really is, who really am I? and this body and what my heart and my mind are saying to each other and how I can employ my hands to, to manifest these things, you know? It's been, uh, it's been really great. I think that's a great introduction on where you're at with things, you know, and I'll, I'll probably dig a little bit deeper to get some specific oh, yeah. 
Um, because you, I think that description of you're driving your new version of self. And I remember you kind of um, sharing with me very quietly, like that, you know, it, it hasn't been easy, you know, kind of stretching yourself into this new territory <laughs> and it, of your authenticity, finding mm -hmm. space for yourself. Um, so I, I'm curious of, you know, who, who Alex was, you know, because I think that you're going through a grief period of setting those expectations of what other people considered you or how they saw you as you're stepping into this new kind of version 2.0, a new, you know, new way of being. Um, so if you'd like to share a little bit about your childhood, your experience, you know, what it was like before three years ago, what happened and who you were. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I was born in the mid eighties. No, <laughs> I mean, I was, but, um, it's fine. I grew up in, uh, a family of five, uh, three boys. I'm the middle child. And, um, yeah, I just, it's as young as I can remember, I always love art. I love drawing. I love, I don't know, being expressive. Um, I did grow up in a religiously, in a religious household, religiously conservative, Jehovah's Witness to be exact. And that's kind of like all I knew growing up it was like religion, I love art. And it wasn't until I went to kindergarten where like my parents also kind of told me like, that's why I started really expressing myself like verbally because I was always a quiet child. I really feel like I was just like a kid that like always looked at everything and observed everything and the shapes of things and the colors of things. And uh, I guess when I got into kindergarten, that's when I really started drawing what I saw in kind of having the internal dialogue of like, I know people, grownups will go, how can you draw that? And I would be like, I don't know. I just see it and I draw it the way I see it. And that's how I see it. And that's how I've always been able to have art in a way kind of make sense to me. And uh, it always seems simple to me, but you know. But um, also I knew at the age of six that I was definitely not straight. <laughs> I was, I was something. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also I knew due to like the rules of the religion that I was affiliated with, I wasn't gonna be able to be there or I knew it wasn't accepted. And I think in a way, and I think it's good to like say these things as someone who's gone through it, especially um, a black person um, the, the, to go through that because there's so many other layers to like our community and like the religious community and all these things that we go through too. For y'all to know like, or especially parents, like for me as a child going through a religion and knowing that I'm queer, but also knowing at an early age that that's not accepted, that's wrong, it's bad, kind of started a early pattern of a uh, type of shame and like hiding and stress. <laughs> And I'm 36 now, so imagine, you know, uh, being that young and it's, it's a big thing to, to keep on the inside, especially when, you know, as a young child, you might have questions about it. You might realize something's there, but you don't know quite what it's for, what it means. And, you know, that created a lot of internal conflicts uh, for me coming up in that religion and coming up as uh, someone who just wanted to be an artist. <laughs> and that's all I knew is I, I loved color and I loved drawing and being expressive and 
talking about how I felt because I think at an early age, I also had a, a, a concept of what truth is. You know, to me, talking to myself and understanding what truth is, is just what it is. And I just, you know, obviously like I had to hide the truth, <laughs> which also told you I understood what truth was, but you know, it's just just the the road that I felt I had to take, you know, especially as a young kid. You just don't know which way to go. And, you know, I didn't have any queer people in my family that I knew of to look up to. Um, it was more so like a doubling down on the religious aspect of my life that really, really, really did uh, the damage <laughs> for me in, uh, in coming up as a Jehovah's Witness. And so school and, you know, uh, establishing relationships with my siblings and, you know, having these complicated relationships with my parents was kind of like what was going on with me. And then even going back and thinking about those times kind of like helped me to realize that they too also knew I was queer, <laughs> but also didn't want to talk about it because, you know, with me coming to that realization and they knew what type of person I was, I would take it and embrace it and go with it. And that was just something that was more so considered maybe the shame, I'm not sure maybe the shame of the family, or maybe it's just something that nobody really wanted to talk about or bring up. And so me noticing that, I kind of took on that role of just being seen and not heard, which turned into me not being taken seriously growing up, which turned into other problems with like self-esteem and confidence and things of that nature. And so I stayed in that religion being born into it until just shy of my 33rd birthday, where I realized that like, I'm getting older, I'm getting older and every day, you know, I had the medicine for the anxiety and the depression and tried to work out, tried to maybe if I kept my house clean, you know, and try to tighten up every other thing in life that maybe like the stress in my life would go down or maybe this phase that <laughs> this thing that's sitting inside me maybe would, could go away. Maybe I could just ignore it and it's fine if I just die with this <laughs> thing on the inside. But listen, I also realized that I was always sassy. So like I wasn't hiding nothing anyway. <laughs> but just shy of my 33rd birthday, I decided that the only things that I'm going to be chasing is truth, truth. And I mean, what is truth? Look in the mirror, look up from your phone, the things that are in front of you, the things are, the things the way they are, it's, that's what truth is. And you can accept it or you can, you can even go farther and embrace it. And what I mean by that is easy enough. I have a mirror hanging on that mirror behind you, actually. 
Now I could go, there's no mirror behind you. And you could go, oh, yes, there is. And I could go, mm -mm, nope, nope. And I keep saying no. And you're looking at me like, you look and sound crazy. There's a mirror right there. I can see it. And then now see, I got <laughs> three things. I can go, okay, yeah, there's a mirror there. And I can accept the truth. I can accept it. Or I can go even farther and embrace it and go get in that mirror and make sure I'm looking good on top of it. Now, see, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're transforming. Attention, um, what is it? Attention activates, intention transforms. I could go even crazier and go, you know what? There isn't a mirror behind you. And I pick up my phone and I chuck it at that mirror and I break it and it falls all to the floor. I think I use this, yeah, I think I used this with you before when we were talking, I might not remember, but I could take a, my phone and throw it at that mirror behind you and it breaks and falls all over the floor. And now I've made a mess because I couldn't accept, at least accept the truth. And my whole life, I've been throwing my phone at a bunch of mirrors. I've been trying to, I've been making messes and trying to sweep it up and hide it and act like it's not fair. And the whole while I've been driving myself crazy, the people around me crazy because I couldn't accept this part of me because I've been taught my whole life that this is wrong and this is shameful and who you are is a sin and a mistake. So from that moment on, just right before 2018, I had decided that truth was what I was gonna go for, find out who I am, realize who I am and embrace it because there's no other way. There's no other way when, when we're dealing with what, what is and what isn't, what is existing in this space right here, right now, what is it? And uh, I, I decided to, you know, first of all, I'm like, first of all, and I jumped on the rooftops and screamed I was gay. <laughs> just because I just wanted to say it. And I didn't want to get all nervous if somebody asked if I was gay, because it happened many a times and I was still in the closet and I was still like, oh no. <laughs> and you know, you could see in their eyes like, oh. And I was just, I was feeling free enough to just really say the words because you know, that has a lot of uh, power and energy behind saying the actual words. Give me one second. Hey, hey doggies. No, no, no. They're trying to play over there and it's starting to bark. <laughs> but uh, my my hound is always barking on the podcast. So yeah. dog, dogs are welcome in this space. Okay. Good timing. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, we just, we just covered like a broad perspective of you liberating yourself and coming back to that childhood self of like, drawing and observing but it's like you're giving your have a voice now which yeah. is so beautiful um I, there's there's two things i wanted to ask you about what what being a jehovah's witness like for you and your family because there might be people who are listening familiar with that faith and like that's christianity yeah. and um also point about uh your 33rd year which i have christian yeah no i have christian about 33 being 
Jesus year, you know, and that's huh. when you really come into your being. And you're like, right, shy of my 33rd birthday, I was finding my truth, seeking my truth, uh, Neptune and Sagittarius being your kind of ruling planet. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so tell me about um, what it looked like. And then when you realize that was. I mean, it was, it's Jehovah's Witnesses is a sect of Christianity. And it's a, a religion that uh, prides itself on, in an ironic twist, calling themselves the truth and the one true religion. And being, I'm that type of person where like, if that's what you're literally saying, you know, I really did go into it like, okay, this is the truth. This is okay, what you're telling me, okay. And so like, part of it is like, not celebrating our birthdays because we believe the day of one's death is better than the one's day of being born. And a couple Bible stories where like, you know, bad things happen on birthdays. So it's like, we don't really do that. Um, they're not into uh, anything with pagan background. So like Halloween was a no. Um, they didn't really celebrate Christmas. They didn't celebrate any of the holidays really if it's not in the Bible. So they wanted to go along with that. And then eventually um, they, Brent, what they called it was we were living in the last days. Like this system, this world, all these terrible systems that are here are gonna be brought to ruin through the return of Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, you say the government is gonna turn on religion and that's gonna bring about something called the great tribulation where government says no more religion and everybody thinks it's happy and peaceful and Jehovah's Witnesses are gonna have to hold strong. And so it was a lot of like, Armageddon is coming at any time. So you gotta be ready because you never know. And Jesus is watching. And the name Jehovah came from, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Yahweh. Um, and they say, um, I believe that's the Hebrew Hebrew version of saying uh, pretty much Jehovah, which uh, translation he causes to become. And they say that's God's name. So that's why they're called Jehovah's Witnesses. As we're witnessing God, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and it, it involved us uh, being very active in what they call the field ministry in preaching door to door with the Bible and um, basically going door to door to say, hey, if you're not following these things, you're gonna die, which you can imagine was went really well most of the time. And um, the way it was for me, even as an eight-year-old, I would be like, oh, I just feel like I'm judging people or it's like going to the door to like strangers and like, saying these things but it was told to us that this is what we had to do and this is it was almost like and I've gone through a, thinking of a lot of the the religion now it's like to me it sometimes I feel like depending on how one takes religion sometimes people feel like it's nothing but suffering you have to suffer because Jesus suffered for you and suffer 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 and you have to suffer and it's like There is suffering in life, but also there is power in, in believing and in spirituality and what spirituality looks like to a person. Like sometimes we, we, we are raised in these religions and we don't get a chance to stop and really think about 
what spirituality looks, feels like, tastes like, what other spirituality looks like so that we can make an informed decision. But during the time we were, um, so we're encouraged to not actually go to college and to devote ourselves to the religion. And to me, that's like, okay, but what do you mean? Don't you want us to be smart? Don't you want us to, to feel sure that we're in the right, you know, religion? And it was just a lot of things. Uh, it was a lot of, especially uh, Eurocentric standards of like hair and keptness and telling me that my hair looks unkempt if I grew it out. And I would be like, but I'm black. And I would get that from other people who were black too in the congregation. And I would just be like, but you're black and your hair looks like mine. And I just, it started looking to me like we were judging and judging harshly because we had been in a group of people who are disenfranchised people of minority groups who are looking for some type of relief. And you know, throughout history, especially with black folks, we've had religion and even like through colonization, like had religions introduced to us and that we've taken on. And it's because I feel that as black people, we want what's ours. We want to, to belong and to have community and like, because that was stripped away from us from such a long time ago, I feel like these religions that are introduced that have nothing to do with our religion, our African spirituality have just kind of took over and in a way has brainwashed us for centuries. And like, it gets passed down into like, you know, into when I was like a little kid and going and coming up in it and I was just miserable. And to even voice the fact that it was making you miserable was blasphemous and like, <laughs> like, so like, it's like more suffering. And so you just go, and it got to a point me waking up in my early adulthood and being so depressed that I wouldn't move or like brush my teeth or take a shower. Cause I just didn't, cause I was just trying to figure out if this is the truly happy life that I'm supposed to have, why do I feel so sad? Why do I feel so scared? Why do I feel like I can't do anything? Like I felt like it was just like, I had no, no mind of my own. And it just turned into me wanting to people please all these people that were around me because I had been so used to being disappointed and not, you know, I'm, I'm a different person. I'm built different in the, in the way of like, all I want to do is create. All I want to do is create. And there were other people, you know, getting jobs, uh, being an electrician or being a plumber. And I'm just like, I just didn't know what else to do. And all I knew is I, I loved people and I love connecting with people. And it was just a, a lot a lot of years of having these group of friends and then this group falls apart and then I'll pick up new friends and then those groups fall apart and they were all within the same religion. But I was just noticing this pattern of trying to fit in, having awful cringy moments happen and then it just falls apart. And then it just left me feeling more alone. And then as the people I grew up with 
we're getting older and getting married. Both my brothers are married. So, you know, everybody's looking at me as the middle child when he's going to get married. You know, and I was just like, I don't want to get married. <laughs> um, really, uh, there was a lot of, there was only so much you could do being in that religion. So all that was left was getting married and having kids and like, you know, but I was just like, okay, but I don't even know <laughs> like who I am when I look in the mirror. I always had a different haircut. I was always changing my style up because it was just so many boundaries that were set up and that was given to me. And I was, it was told to me that I had to keep these boundaries that I didn't even believe in. But I kept saying no to myself because they were saying no. And I thought I had to tell myself no. And then just as I got older and I started meeting people outside of the religion, because that's one of the rules is you can't talk to people outside of the religion. I started meeting people outside the religion who did very interesting things and musicians and actors. And, and at that point I would just sit, sit in the crowd and watch them. And then it was weird. It was like a, a homing device that like when I saw somebody singing on stage, uh, doing poetry, live painting, doing whatever, painting on glass, just doing something artistic and expressive. And I would feel like this thing inside of me that will react to it. And it was like, a, I don't know, I always describe it as like a little golden ball on a pedestal right in the middle of my body, just sitting there waiting to be picked up and admired and used, but I was too scared to because I was scared of being judged by the people that have known me my whole life. And I've been around when other people in the religion left before I did, and we'd see them out or see them on social media, and then there goes all the judgment because they decided to do what they want to do. And so, it wasn't until like just shy of my 33rd birthday where I started feeling like I was being backed up and pushed into a corner. And like, I had, there were like leaders in the congregation going through my Instagram and my Facebook and picking out pictures and telling me why it's wrong and I need to trim my mustache and wear regular glasses and draw normal things. And I would just be like, I think in that moment, like when that happened to me and it was two hours, so I was in a room, it was two of them and I'm sitting here and they're like, and this, and this, and this. And it was like the ultimate test. And I sat there and I listened to them and I left. And I remember <laughs> going to a friend's house, still in my suit, going to my friend's house and talking to his name's Ryan. And I was kind of telling Ryan what happened. I remember I took my tie off and I threw, he had a fire going, I threw it in the fire. <laughs> That's that Pisces drama. And I took my tie off and I threw it in the fire. It was one of my favorite ties too. And I remember, I was like, I don't not want this anymore. I can't, this is not right. And instead, what I normally would do is I would give in and just do what they wanted. But when I sat there for the first time and really was just like going over everything that was that just happened, the things that they said to me that I needed to change, 
And these are people that I've known since I was a little kid. Like they knew me when I was in my mother's stomach. And I felt like so hurt, but also empowered to actually go, no, you're not right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And so it turned into, to me, just deciding to go and say, actually, I didn't even say anything. I just stopped going. I just stopped going. You just slipped away like a fish. Yep. We're done. We cut it off and it was abrupt and it was swift because I know what that is. It's going to be them trying to talk me into it and trying to wear me down. And I decided, nope, I know what this is. And that was where like, I was really starting, like I kind of knew what trusting your intuition is and feeling what intuition is. And at that moment, me completely just stopped going, stopped answering text messages from people affiliated. That's where it all started. I wrote a letter to my parents and I wrote them a letter saying, thank you for giving me life, but I've decided this is what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden text messages from like friends coming in, you know, (laughs) and it was all, and every now and then I still get messages. And you know what they all say? They all say, hey, I hope you're doing all right. It's pretty crazy out there. They all say that. It's pretty crazy out there. And it's like, yeah, there's things that happen in this world. (laughs) But like, they're they're taught that if you stray away from Jehovah or God, life is just going to not work out for you. And ever since I left and I came out, I mean, I've been happy. I have a lifelong stable partner and relationship. I have more family than I could ever ask for. My friends are so, I have such good friends that I consider family and I wake up with nothing heavy on my heart. And that's what the goal was. The goal was to release these heavy, these heavy boundaries, these burdens, these things, these judgments from other people that have nothing to do with me I have everything to do with them and it took me going I can't physically saying out loud I can't do this anymore and taking it off and dropping it for me to hear it and to understand the energy behind the truthfulness of that phrase I can't do this anymore and then actually not do this anymore And that was the first real time of being present and understanding what aligning your insides with your outsides looks like and feels like. That was the first real time I understood about why it's important to ask yourself what you want to do, answering that honestly, and then doing it. Head, heart, hands. And yeah, that was the that was the lead up to just going, no, <laughs> this isn't for me. This isn't for me at all. I'm not being happy. And I like dudes. <laughs> Why am I missing out on connection and love and 
friendship and partnership with all types of people because I'm worried about what these people are thinking when all they're doing is being stuck in a confined space, just barking, <laughs> no pun intended, barking at each other back and forth until, you know, it's it doesn't make sense. Nobody's in this situation is completely right within. And we're all stuck in a, in a cult that's not right within, teaching us how to be not right within. And so now you just have a group of people who aren't right within, yelling, yelling awful things at each other, saying things that aren't right within with each other. And we're just stewing in this thing. And that's when I decided to, well, that, that notion helped me get over anger, get over the anger of the situation, but also like realizing that at the time it helped me to go, somebody has to walk away. Somebody has to stop. And it's gonna be me. <laughs> it's gonna be me. As far as we know, as far as we know, this is life right here, right now. And what happens to us when we pass on to the other life into the spirit world? Who knows? Are we reincarnated? Maybe. Who knows? All I know is I'm here and I'm present and I'm conscious of what's happening right now. And I know what I'm feeling right now. And I'm going to honor that. To hear you say those text messages about it's crazy out there, you know, and that is that group think that that cult mentality, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from the outside. And so many of the themes that you've talked about are very Pisces in nature. You know, the, the words boundaries, you know, you were bound by this religious zealotry and it was confining, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the judgment and criticism and it was all about fear of what, what's beyond, what's beyond this world. And that we're not really appreciating life when we're in that kind of fearful framework. You know, right. you're living, you're just waiting to die, waiting to have your afterlife rather than being here and now in the present, which is super delusional, you know, and, and, I, and I, that word suffering that you used multiple times. And Pisces is associated with the concept of to serve or suffer, that if you're not serving, you're suffering. And if you're not you know, vice versa. Like that's, that's how you have to kind of move through that space. Um, so I wonder about how you've learned to bond with yourself, bond with your, you know, spiritual self and with the new community that you're building as you step into this more authentic version of yourself that is eradicating fear. Um, I don't know if that's the whole question, but I, I mean, I, I'm just curious about you know, how, how you're finding like love and love from here to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the year I came out was the same year I met my boyfriend and I think that's kind of, it was funny because I was, I wasn't sure when I, when I met him, I looked at him and I went, his name is David. I looked at David and I was like, I like this face, something about this face. And he's such a different person than me. And I really, 
I really feel like, like I, I decided to be open, open to him and open to everything. He, he, he treated me so nice and he just seemed to like me around. And so I went, you know what? I'm gonna stick by this guy and I'm gonna learn more about him because he is intriguing. And so like, as we got into the relationship, I think it was from his love, like self, self-love is the answer in my opinion. I just needed a little nudge. I need to know what that felt like. And like, I feel like I started it when I said, no, I'm walking away from this. But what really, really helped me to really get into myself is I met this person who I fell in love with and to be given love and to be taken care of. Someone who wants to take care of me and wants to love me and I get that every day. I started really, really feeling what love felt like because I've been so love starved in that religion. I was searching for the love that I needed to help me thrive and flourish, but I wasn't getting that. And so when I stepped away from that and pushed that type of love away to open up the space for that, the love that I need to come in, it started giving me this, and this might be a Pisces thing to say. I always say, I need to feel what it, I need to know what it feels like. My boyfriend needs to know what, it's, what, what things look like, but I always need to know what it feels like because that's how you can get to the heart of me. And I think as I got into my relationship with David and the way he loved me started really causing me to stop and take a look around me and to really like notice what's happening here, how things are transforming, how I'm transforming and how He's just like, with everything that I want to do, the colors, he loves all the colors. He loves the braids and all that. And he's just, I just, you know, we moved in with each other after being together for about close to a year. And the quarantine happened. Like my 35th birthday came running around, came rolling around. And in between that time, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. In between that time, I had, um, linked up with an old acquaintance of mine and we started, you know, doing art, like having this art business. And I was working as a sign language interpreter at the time. And I was kind of getting old. And, you know, I looked at David and went, you know, David, I kind of want to like be an artist. And he's like, okay, go ahead, quit your job. Let's do it. And so as I started getting into this art business and kind of making a name for myself and I started dyeing my beard at this time, Okay, we moved into a new place. I'm feeling new and rejuvenated. Here comes my 35th birthday, yes. And then a few days after, quarantine hit. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now get this. Probably, I wanna say a few days before, a few days before, I had a little bit of an emotional breakdown. And I couldn't stop crying. I was sobbing. I was sobbing for three hours. I remember I went to, to my, I was going to set up a therapist appointment because I was like, you know, I need to get proactive about healing. I need to get, you know, get into these things because I had some situations happen. And I was just like, I feel like I'm not living in the reality that I thought I was. I'm going to go. And I got to this therapist's office and I just couldn't stop crying. And like, I just had this full breakdown. And I, I talked to a psychiatrist for two hours straight. 
just talking and talking and talking. And, you know, they, they gave me, you know, I set up appointments, obviously, to have therapy sessions. But, like, I went home and I was like, you know what? I just, like, who am I? And then like, all of a sudden, I kept getting, I just kept getting an onslaught of things from my past, things with my family, things with the religion that kept coming and popping up in my head. And it was almost like, am I going crazy? How do I stop this? And then it turned into, whoa, there's some things about myself that I need to really take a look at here. And so that kind of like, you know, was on my mind. And then like the quarantine happened. I'm telling you, I'm talking about the first day of quarantine. Nobody can leave. All the places are closed. Nobody can go. I went into the basement and I read, well, actually my friend had told me, um, my friend Drea suggested that I read the four agreements. Yes, the four agreements. And I kind of like wanted to like work on art while listening to it. So I kind of bought the audiobook and I turned it on. And like, I couldn't even finish what I was making because from beginning to end of that book, it was all of 35 minutes of listening was like the most profound thing. And it was simply put that made me sit down and just ugly cry, <laughs> just cry and meditate. And I just like, after I heard that, I went, what else can I do? I need to uh, meditate. And then I had this app and then I started doing a guided meditation. And I just felt, this is what I've been looking for. There's that feeling that I was looking for. The feeling that I've always felt as a little kid, but couldn't put my finger on it. There is something here, spirituality. There is something, a force around me that I'm feeling on my skin, that I can feel in my solar plexus, that I can feel in my uh, anihata, you know? And it turned into me every day going downstairs, journaling, uh, organizing, you know, when I wanna uh, projects. And all of a sudden I just started going, okay, come on, you can do this. This person, the person that was coming out, starting to come out that had been realized, this attention that I've used to activate, this person that was buried underneath all this garbage was starting to be realized and coming out and coming forth just because of my attention. And I started using that attention and turned it into like action. I started incorporating my hands and I started opening myself up to acknowledgement of where perhaps I could be wrong, where in acknowledging maybe this happened a long time ago and they were wrong, but you know, look where you are now. It was a lot of internal dialogue about who I am and what I want to do that was really starting to like bubble up and bubble forth. And it just sat differently with me after that first day. And so every day after that has been nothing but like, I had to meditate, I'm gonna to meditate today, okay. And then I'm going to take a nap, okay. And then I'm gonna get up and walk the dog and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna write down some things that I can, you know, it started turning to days like that where it started, start doing for yourself and start 
I can't remember what the term is, but for lack of a better term, I can't think of holding myself accountable. I wanted to hold myself accountable to myself. And I just decided to like really start jumping in and digging into different things as much as I could with the, you know, with the quarantine. And I've had uh, opportunities to paint murals and I made my own comic book that I've always wanted to do, my own digital comic book, talking about my life and my story. It's three chapters, but like, you know, kind of just getting it out there and all of a sudden David's jumping in and he's opened himself up to, you know, the things that I like. And then we're collaborating on a story and it started opening this world up of finding depth, the depth that I've been looking for, trying to break myself out of that shadow but then going through the, the quarantine and when we got to January, this past January, it really started to take shape because I had worked my way up out of, of being so like, of, of my, my devil, devil card, of my bad habits and the things that don't serve me anymore. But then <laughs> all of a sudden, I felt like I was in a slump again. And it was January 1st. I noticed I wasn't feeling well and I caught COVID-19. And just like the things that happened to me every day since the beginning of quarantine up until January, I've used every day to go, okay, new day, new bitch. New day, new bitch. That means what did I learn yesterday? Got it. What's the lesson? Okay. And the next day I'm gonna take that lesson. I'm gonna get back out there in the world again. And I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna check out the settings and we're gonna see how this new person does in this world for the next day. And every day it was just building on top of that and on top of learning and on top of learning about myself. Ego death had to happen, understanding what ego is, how to, <laughs> how to, like I said, being accountable is like the first step because when you can be accountable, then you can check yourself on your ego. Now everything's about you, you know, and sometimes you have to stop for a second and, and remember where you are and remember what's happening in front of you. Because if we let it slip, our strong emotions can take over and we won't see things clearly. And like, these lessons, these lessons of love and understanding what type of, um, I had anxiety and like what type of attachment style I had and like researching myself. It's, it's a lot of hard pills to swallow throughout this journey, throughout this journey. And then I started learning how to give more, make more space for others. It's, and I'm sorry if it seems like I'm hopping around here. It's just, like I said, it's been so much that like, you know, you one would hope to learn from the parents or from being out into that world so that, you know, when you get out there, you know who you are. But I did not really, really realize how much of myself I didn't know. I didn't know about until I started doing this work. And it's, it is hard work. 
it's hard work, but you know, it's rewarding, rewarding work. And growing up, I used to be, I remember thinking being 23, being 23 and laying in my bed, depressed as all get out, but also sometimes having dreams of me like being an actor or like being on stage. And I did some performance and everybody's clapping. And I guess this kind of spills over into the question you asked me too about what it is that I want the viewers and also my past self to like know is that the person, when you sit down and you imagine the person that you want to be at like your highest, like your, your highest self, that person is inside of you. And that is very much so possible to be that person and strive to be that person. It's very possible because that's what I'm starting to, to understand now at this leg of my journey. When backing up, when I got, um, what do you call, when I got COVID-19 in January and I took that whole month off, I was like, I'm taking the whole month off. I'm not doing anything. And like having COVID taught me lessons about eating, my eating habits and what I do when I'm, when I'm anxious, like with food and like, <laughs> and, and being inebriated and like, are you being clear? Are you being clear headed? Are you acting too, you know, um, what's the word? Impulsively. Are you allowing yourself to honor your feelings and also deal with your feelings? And that was something that I wasn't doing until COVID came along and really like dulled my senses in a way. And it wouldn't allow me to take a long huff of weed if I you know, feel like, you know, because it was like, no, you need to be clear headed for this. And during that time, that's when I picked up the tarot cards and started uh, understanding and realizing that when I did tarot with friends on like Zoom or Facebook Messenger or whatever, it gave me a voice. And then my throat chakra started getting dusted off. And then it, it taught me to say what I'm feeling and be able to actually structure those into words, like fully comprehensive sentences, whereas before it was hard to, to express myself because I've been told to be quiet. So it was just like me teaching myself literally how to be a person again and be the person that I always knew I could be through this this, I don't want to say the quarantine is magic, this magical time of quarantine, because there's been a lot of casualties and a lot of deaths that, that were unnecessary and I wish didn't happen. But it's, it's when we notice we're suspended and hanging in the air and we can't go anywhere, are we just going to keep hanging like this? Or are we going to take that time to just like think? I think for a lot of people, when they went through the quarantine, they just, all they could, like, if you were smart, you thought, you stopped and you, you thought, and you, you saw what was going on out in the world, you know, with the deaths through the police and, and Black Lives Matter and like, it understand like, wait, I have a place in this world too. What am I doing here? What does this mean? What does that mean? Oh my goodness. I feel like everybody, I feel like what happened, it shook everybody. Everybody went, oh my God, I'm not living in the reality that I thought I was living in. How 
And it's like, I don't feel good about this at all. How do I change this? What do I do? What about me? And all of a sudden, now we, <laughs> I heard somebody say that um, some people think that, you know, these young people, they don't want to work. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening, friend. What's happening? <laughs> what's happening is perhaps maybe we were at a job that we had lukewarm feelings about. And then when we went on uh, quarantine and leave and we saw all these things and we started getting acquainted with ourselves and I use the term lost and found, all of a sudden we're starting to find pieces of ourselves that we forgot about and that we loved about ourselves. So just kind of got lost in the chaos of it all. But when we, when we started clearing out the chaos, and we find all these things like we climbed on the roof of our neighbor's, <laughs> we climbed on our neighbor's roof and we found that baseball that we lost in the Frisbee. And oh, there goes the airplane. Oh my God, what? <laughs> and now we're starting to be acquainted with what made our hearts sing in the first place, with our essence, with what, what made our, our souls lighten up. And some of us, most of us decided that that's what we want to do happiness is what we're going for we're not going I mean like you know there's people money's cool and money gets us things but like the way I see it the money will come and we will have what we need not even just money we will have the abundance that we need in every sector of our lives but we have to remember what sets our souls on fire and we have to have faith and belief in chasing what makes us happy Put a smile on your face every day. Figure out, wake up, figure out, how do I put a smile on my face? Okay, well, what do you want? I want eggs and bacon for breakfast. Get in there and make it. Boom. Check one. Smile number one. Off the list. What else do I want to do? I want to paint. Get out there and paint. Boom. Beautiful painting. Ah, I feel good. Do something for somebody else. Just don't sit there like a bump on a log. And just like, yeah, <laughs> Willow agrees. Don't sit there like a bump on the log in anybody's life, or even in your life, and do and be nothing and do nothing. That's not what this is for. Talk to people and and get to know them and and, and get it. Like really get it. That's how you find depth. You find depth in experience and compassion and being open. Did that answer your question? <laughs> I am so thrilled that you took the mic. You know, I, I'm just, I'm elated in your journey. And there's, there's so many things that I could comment on about you making space for yourself when you didn't exist for most of your life. And that by getting centered in self, you've been able to make more space for other people outside of you and to inspire others and be inspired by others. And I, I mean, the visual that I get with your journey is, you know, this watery energy of Pisces, like just pent up with so much pressure that you are now this geyser just pouring forth. I can't stop. <laughs> It's, it's like a transmutive energy that, I mean, cause like the, the visual of the geyser is like water and fire, like that heat and that transmutation that happens when you finally let go. And Alex, I didn't know that you had been a sign language interpreter and 
uh, the the idea that you've been translating and moving energy for other people using your own body as a transmission point and learning how to express other people's feelings until you can learn how to express your own and knowing that difference between those two things that's massive you know especially someone as compassionate and feeling and sensitive as you are and I'm sure that there's a lot of tools that are beneath the surface from doing that kind of work for as long as you oh, did. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah. I guess I don't even know why I don't mention that as often. It's like, it's not that, I, you know, doing sign language was like a means to an end for me. It was like, yeah, at the time when sign language came up, because like I mentioned before, it was like, I don't want to be an electrician. I don't want to be a carpenter. And so like I went to school first, it was like for electricity. And I was like, eh, then radiog radiology. And I was like, eh, then I did like, um, what do you call it? I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> I did graphic design. And it was like, okay, but I was like, I hate computers, technology, no. <laughs> and so then I decided to, okay, maybe I'll keep that as a hobby. And then, um, yeah, then I started going to school to be a funeral director. And, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah, sure, depressed person, yeah. Go ahead and be around dead people all the time. But I was just like, in my head, I was like, well, I want to be there for people. Nobody knows how to be sad like me. You know, it's just like that. But like spirit was like, nah. But when I, yeah, I started learning sign language actually through the Jehovah's Witness religion. Like they had a sign language congregation. And so I was like, well, maybe I need to just dig a little bit harder and expand and widen out. So yeah, I went to school and I changed my major for the fifth and last time to sign language interpreter and I fell in love with the culture and I still have deaf friends and I even worked in the actual program at MATC for like six months. And yeah, I was like, okay. And, and being expressive was a big part of it. Like connecting with people, being expressive, learning a new language. And like, I learned that language, like boom, 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 picked it up. And yeah, I was working in a school in Waukesha or in the Waukesha school district for like four years. But um, yeah, after a while, being in that line of work, as much as I loved it, it wasn't fitting right like it used to. It just wasn't fitting. And I was, you know, this is before the whole expansion thing happened. I just, all I knew was I wanted to, to connect with people, but like going to school or working in a school and doing sign language was, too restrictive still. Like it was a beautiful experience, a beautiful learning experience. I learned so much, but there was still like some things in my life that I wanted to, it was still like expressing on someone else's terms. And like I said, in this life, all I know is I'm here right here right now and I know it. And I just wanted to express on my terms the way I wanted to not giving a damn if anybody had an issue with it or not, you know? And so, yeah, I had to at one point take my leave and I just like, I would be at work and all I could think about is my art. All I could think about is like, man, I can't wait to get home to do my art. And I hope if any of the kids that I used to interpret with see this, I hope they don't feel bad <laughs> because that's not what, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I'm tired of you. 
it was just something else that had been buried for so long is now poking back up and calling me back over. And like that golden ball in there was getting activated and it needed to like go for the draw and go for that, that pool. And I needed to just jump right in. But yeah, sign language was, uh, is, is beautiful. And I've, I've loved the friendships and the connections that I've made in that, that time in my life. And I still can sign too. <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love get like just getting a bit, a bigger, a bigger, and better picture of your, of your journey. And I know that you're on your way to Los Angeles and you're kind of in this like transition point. And I am just really grateful for you making time. Um, I'm curious if there's a place that we can find your artwork or if you have a website that has your digital comic book, you know, what, what can I plug for you here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, there's a lot of things. Um, I, I've been in two magazines. Um, uh, one is a local magazine in Milwaukee called BU, capital B, capital U dash magazine. You can go on the website and that was the July issue. And it was a video interview I had with a good friend of mine named Marvin. Um, and I kind of explained my, my background. He has some really interesting questions. Um, the other magazine is called Blackout and it is a digital magazine, B-L-A-Q-U-E slash out magazine. And um, it's based out of New York, I believe. Um, I uh, was noticed by the owner, her name is Tamara. Um, and she lives in Miami, but she, I, I started doing all the colorful braids and she saw my pictures and she kind of asked my story. And I was, uh, she let me actually curate a photo shoot to be the spread. Uh, and I made the cover for the July issue. And there's uh, some really cool questions in there too, if you want to check me out there. But also, hey, Instagram is probably your best bet if you want to see my work. I'm Theurgy Art, which you already know, you follow me there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if you really want to see like a good transition, I actually activated my old account called Thick Boy Magic. And if you go all the way down in Thick Boy Magic to the first picture and just scroll up, you'll see exactly where I was like, nope, explosion of color. And sometimes I like to go back there and check it out. But Thick Boy Magic is T-H-I-C-C. B-O-I magic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's kind of like what started the before, before the breakdown kind of into the quarantine, but third art is where I went, okay, it's time to rebrand. Uh, it's more, less selfies, <laughs> more art, but in the in the third art, I kind of like took a break from putting my face out there because I got tired of looking at it, and I kind of like reintroduced myself in a different way. So third art uh, has a lot of my my newer projects on there, but um, yeah, my comic book is called The People We Are, and that is on uh, Webtoons or Webtoon, not without an S. <laughs> webtoon and it's like an app where like people who are amateur like comic book artists like put their work up and kind of like create a fan base and so yeah that's where uh that's where i have my big comic book project that i hope to actually get back into once i get to la and the plan is um with la is to get into acting and modeling 
Um, and then hopefully I can get enough money to like get some better equipment so I can start really working with my comic book project and getting that back out there. And it's, and a comic book project is really special to me because it's, it takes like real life, but it makes it fantastical. And I add color and I add in uh, metaphors and the, the, the feeling of freeness and open and color and LGBTQ and, and the story is really what I wanted to, what I want to drive it and the, the, the colors because man, it's like, I felt like I was just trapped inside the word no my whole life. And then I kind of broke through and it's just like, <laughs> and I play this person that's like kind of connected to, to ethereal and I can fly in the sky and it's just like, that's how I feel now. And I would love for black people and black queer people, especially, I want everybody, but especially them to like really, really see that anything is possible and you can free yourself and you can be this free and this queer and still be black too because like, that's just what the truth of it is. And like, I want people to embrace truth and embrace themselves. And once you do, watch how the world changes, right? <laughs> yeah, watch how the world changes. Well, on that note, we'll let Willow close up our session. But Absolutely. I'm so grateful. And I, I think that you, you know, it's really easy to say you're an inspiration. But I've, I've never met anyone like you the way that you express yourself. And I hope that there are lots of young queer youths that see you and feel, I, they feel an identification with the way that you present. Because I know that it took you a long time to arrive at this point. Oh, and yeah. I, I honor that so much. And because all of us being authentic, that helps the universe. It really does. It really does. But thank you so much for, for having me. And I just want to leave it with those who listen to this to like really, really take a look and think of the concept of believing and believing in truth and embracing truth because every word that we say carries a amount of uh, weight and energy to it. And once it's out there in telling yourself that this is who you are and this is what you want to do, like, just watch how your world just transforms. Your emotional terrain, your spiritual terrain, it just all transforms. And it all of a sudden turns into this new world that you never thought you'd be able to have access to, but turns out you've always had access to it, you know? So yeah, thank you so much. I'm looking back at my notes from the interview and I have so many little scrawls here. New day, new bitch, one of my favorites. Um, imagining yourself as your highest self and strive to be that person every day. Alex said that Tarot gave them a voice, that the four agreements helped them to, to shape their world and that there's been a lot of space and time for the self-discovery process. And, you know, being in my mid to late thirties, I know that the becoming process um, just seems to keep unfolding for myself. And I love that Alex is able to so eloquently describe that process of being an artist, decolonizing themselves, the religious conservative experience of their youth 
and breaking free of that and really embracing the artistic, creative fullness that they demonstrate through their way of moving through the world. So I have to mention uh, Blackout Magazine. I'll um, put the put the links up for that, and of course, finding Theurgy Art, um, Theurgy Theurgy Art <laughs> on Instagram, and one of their older accounts, Thick Boy Magic. Um, yeah, so it was really great to have a Pisces on during this season, and love to support. Um, all of the work that they're doing and wishing them so much success and joy on this trip out to Los Angeles and this discovery process just continuing. I want to thank my sponsor, K Apothecary. They're located in Mount Vernon, Iowa, um, and of course online at kapothecary.com. And of course this season we're moving into, uh, you know, Halloween. <laughs> the equinox, the change, the change in the season, the veil thinning. So of course, if you need your wares and your candles and your herbs or whatever it is that really helps you to design your theurgy, your rituals, your ways of moving, do shop kapothecary.com, which is a a conscious woman-owned business here in the Midwest. Um, Really, really appreciate K for all they do to support my work and support my becoming process itself. This is Lauren K. Hickman. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Inspired Astrology podcast. Um, Every week, I try to put out some work, some inspirational word out there for you to take with you um, on your journey of learning about astrology or about metaphysics or whatever it is that you are interested in why you tune in. It means so much to me to be a part of your practice, a part of your journey. And I thank you for supporting the show by subscribing, by passing these on to people that you know, and just for showing up for yourself. That is the greatest gift for me in knowing that you are doing the work to elevate and uh, honor your process of unfolding. You can find me on Instagram at Lauren K. Hickman, online at energyinterpreter.com. And I hope that you stay inspired during this beautiful season, this Pisces full moon, and the autumnal equinox coming up this next week.